Happy New Year, y'all. It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names' first episode of 2019. And they kicked this year off by reviewing Pandemic Fall of Rome, Black Orchestra, and Scorpius Freighter. They also talk about donuts. Hey, that reminds me of my favorite coffee mug. Abs are great, but have you tried donuts? Hello, welcome to the first episode from 2019 for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 161, Save the World. My name is Marty. And I'm Tony. And Tony, I had no clue what this song was. As soon as I looked it up, I said, hold on before we hit record. I got to go hear this. It's by some band, Swedish House Mafia? Swedish sound, House Mafia. It sounded yeah. kind of like have like a rave popish sound. Talk to me here. What what is this? Where'd you find this? Well, based on the games we're going to be talking about, where two games you're co-oping to either save the world or change the history of the world. I typed in the goal Google Chrome. I Googled it out and I said save the world, and this song popped up. Wow. I'm like, okay, well that's pretty cool. Let's listen to it. and I listen to it. And then over in the YouTube side channel over there, yes. it said Pentatonics cover. I went, whoa, wait a minute now. Pentatonic, is that the acapella group? Yes. Okay. Uh, who just had a Christmas special, on matter of fact, and they have all, a whole bunch of Christmas acapella albums out. But anyway, I'm like, wait a minute. So if they've done a cover of this, that means a little something because Pentatonics is a huge acapella group. Well, they're only five. They're not that big. Well, so then, so I did Save the World, then I listened to that, and then I went down the Pentatonics rabbit hole, and I got Bohemian Rhapsody version that they did, and then I went to Little Drummer Boy, and, and, you know. <laughs> Dude, YouTube is such a flipping rabbit hole. So <laughs> I accidentally stumbled across a, a YouTube channel called like tr the Try Channel, and it's Irish people trying out different food. And there's this whole section where they're trying out Southern food. So one of Ooh. them was trying out Southern meat dishes. And it was things like, you know, liver mush and stuff. It's like, all right, I got to watch this. And then right after that, it recommended, hey, Irish people trying Southern desserts. Yes, I want to hear that too. Oh, they love pecan pie. Who doesn't like pecan pie? What's next? Oh, Southern alcoholic drinks. And they're trying like moonshine and stuff. And then like 30 minutes later, it's like, okay, wow, I just uh, wasted 30 minutes of my time. But it, 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 you just fall into a rabbit hole when you get into those things. Exactly. Now, what's interesting, these people enjoy haggis. So I can only imagine how they felt about liver mush. They thought it was okay. Yeah, I can understand that. Haggis is actually good. Haggis is pretty darn good. One of the desserts was a Krispy Kreme donut. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You, you would have thought they would... Uh, I was getting ready to say something bad. <laughs> you thought they just had a wonderful sexual experience because they were just like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. And their eyes were rolling back in their head. It's like, it's like sweet air. It's like, yes, sir, it is. Did you know that Krispy Kreme has a special giveaway on 12-12? No, I did not. And since it's past 12-12, I'm kind of regretting hear what this, hearing what this is. Guy in the neighborhood, he always takes his family over over to this is called Matt McCaddenville, the city of Christmas lights or whatever near the house. I haven't been to McCaddenville in 20 years. So for those who aren't local, it's this town, this small town right outside of Charlotte, where basically the entire town decorates the streets and the houses 
for Christmas. And basically a line of traffic lines up on the interstate every night to go slowly through the town at what? About 15, 20 miles an hour mm-hmm. to see all the lights. And it's a major ordeal. It is. And it's a whole bunch of old mill houses that align it because it's the Springs Mill that does all this and puts it out. And now, of course, mills are no longer in existence. You know, factory mills, clothing mills, that kind of stuff. They don't exist in this area. But anyway, so a friend of mine says it, he and his family, they always go there. And they chose 1212. And one of their traditions is while they're going through the town, they stop at the local Krispy Kreme and they get a dozen hot and out donuts. Mm, yeah. And they feast on those as they look at Christmas lights and have milk in the car. Oh, dude, what an awesome tradition. However, this time they went on 1212. Well, the thing that Krispy Kreme does is on 1212 to celebrate the 12 days of Christmas. If you buy an assortment of 12 donuts, you can also get a dozen regular donuts for a penny. It is really good that uh, my wife didn't hear about that, or we've been going like to multiple Krispy Kremes during the day. He said the line for the Krispy Kreme shop was longer than the line for the Caddenville. <laughs> and what's funny is, even when there's not a special, there's always a line for the Krispy always. Kreme drive through That and Chick-fil-A, those two places are never not busy. So how about the double negative is they're always busy. I mean, I stopped in there. there I was lucky. I stopped today, but I uh, took a day off from vacation. And of course, we're recording this a little bit earlier than one one twenty nineteen. And there was no line that got my uncle a $20 gift card. I did not know a dozen donuts cost $8 now. Yeah. You remember when it used to be like, oh God, it was like 50 cents a piece. I mean, it was like five yeah. or six. Or it was like, it was like a dozen for $5. Yeah. So it's just funny. My son just had a 16th birthday. <laughs> His dessert that he wanted, he wanted like two dozen donuts. So we went out to a Krispy Kreme that day. And man, it, it you walk in that store and you just start salivating. It's mm-hmm. just the air is just sweet and everything. But what's interesting is, is a couple nights before we went to a Dunkin' Donuts, which just opened up near us because they were wanting to get coffee. There's no like smell of like donuts Mm -mm. in Dunkin' at all. And I don't get it where people say, oh, Dunkin' is so much better than Krispy Kreme. I'm like, I just don't understand that. To me, it's not even a contest. And in fact, did you know this, Tony? They don't even call it Dunkin' Donuts anymore. The new ones that are opening up is just called Dunkin'. I did not know that. I I, I mean, I pass one going to work every day. And the only thing that draws me into a Dunkin' is if I, I will deal with some donut holes that they do when they make the little donut holes. Yeah. Cause I don't mind eating 50 of those and don't feel like I ate a single donut. <laughs> that's, that's right. I think they, their focus now is on, on donuts and coffee and danishes and sandwiches. So they wanted to break away from this donut only stigma. Now I know their coffee is amazing. People love the Dunkin coffee, but yeah, yeah I'm sorry that you can't hold a candle. Krispy Kreme when it when it comes to the when it comes to the donuts and now all of a sudden I'm hungry because on my son's birthday Vanessa got me like a cinnamon swirl donut oh my gosh I was just going to mention that one I saw that today it looked incredible oh uh, you've got to go back and try that thing oh my gosh that looked incredible I was like what what is this in the case forget this Santa Claus decorated donut what is that. But no, I, if I remember that Krispy Kreme, we had just gotten breakfast where I would have been feasting there. But but I know that all these Krispy Kreme donuts did a world of good for you on the push-up challenge. Sure. One donut. Oh, did you know? By the way, one regular Krispy Kreme donut is only 150 calories. Now, granted, it's all air. It's, it's tons of carbs and sugar. But if you're counting calories, it's 150. Yes, I finished the six-week six week 100 push-up program. 
I did not reach 100 push-ups, but that is a-okay. When we first started the program, I was able to do 22 push-ups without stopping. Last night, I finished the six-week program. I'm now up to 60. Granted, I'm 40 away from 100, but it doesn't matter. I feel like it's a success. I almost tripled the amount of push-ups I can do. I feel better. The upper body feels better. I'm going to continue the program and see if I can finally get to 100. But thanks to all those who joined in, a lot of people... Tony, that, that follow us on Twitter and everything, joined in uh, with me and did this program. So hopefully it's a it's a good way to kick off and start getting fit because hopefully after six weeks, it's a habit now. Yes. And uh, congratulations. That is a tremendous milestone, sir. I applaud you. <laughs> <laughs> Next is burpees. You want to do the burpee challenge? I told you. Yeah, that's what I put in the podge plays backer. So my challenge is going to be the sit-up challenge. Uh, okay, I'll do that one. I'll do it. You set it up and I'll post it on Twitter for us because I know you don't ever go on there. I'll do a no. sit-up challenge. Is it the goal to reach a certain number? I don't know. I was looking at the apps. And I'm like, okay, so I've got to figure out the app to get or whatever you did. I don't know what you did to do the push-up challenge, but I'll I'll figure it out and get it out there. And Okay. If I can get one in the first week, two in the second <laughs> week, life is golden. You've doubled your output right there. Well, I've lost all my stamina because mower season is over. And yes, we're going to... Um, the mowers, we've, we've put them away. That's right. But my stamina is done. <laughs> we've drained the oil. We've changed the oil. Next time we pull them out, we have to sharpen the blades. But they are away for the winter. So now we're talking donuts. But if I had the snowblower attachment based on the snow we got recently, the big whopping 19 inches in the mountains and the four inches where I live. And the zero where I live. But go ahead. That's amazing, isn't it? You live, what, 45 minutes away from me or 30 minutes away from me? Miles wise, it's just 30 something miles. And you got none, and I got four to five inches. And of course, the city just shuts down like like it always does. But hey, that's that's Charlotte. So we just sit inside and we eat Krispy Kreme donuts while we wait for the uh, snow to melt. One last thing on Krispy Kreme before we get off, because this started with the whole YouTube thing. Another thing I got hooked on YouTube, do you know who Rhett and Link are, right? Yeah, they are local NC State boys. Yes, they are. Go pack. Uh, So they have, you know, they have their show now, Good Mythical Morning, and they had a blind donut test. With like Dunkin' Donuts, Krispy Kreme, and several others. And before they started, they said, let me just go ahead and say this. If in this blind test, if we don't pick Krispy Kreme, we're going to be furious. So they did the blind test. They picked their favorite one. Sure enough, they both picked Krispy Kreme. Well, their taste buds are accustomed to it. Yeah. I'm sure they I'm sure they did the NC State Krispy Kreme Challenge. Yeah, I, I don't think we've ever talked about that. The Krispy Kreme Challenge is where you run, gosh, is it five miles? I believe it's mm. five miles, two and a half miles from campus to a Krispy Kreme, eat a dozen donuts, and run back. And the common way to eat them is you squish six together, <coughs> eat them, squish the next six, eat them, run a mile back, throw up in the throw up cans along the way, and continue your run. That's exactly right. People dress up for this. They cosplay for it. Now, there is a casual thing. I would do the casual. The casual is you can just eat as many donuts as you want. It hasn't got to be 12, but to f- officially compete, five miles a dozen donuts at the halfway mark. Yes. It's a big deal. Every hundreds and hundreds of people do that every year. It is uh, Adam who just graduated from there last year said it is now a huge event. Oh yeah. It's amazing what that has come into. And it's all for a good charity. It is for a very good charity. Well, Tony, we've started out 2019, just like we finished 2018, not talking about games. <laughs> But that's okay. Is it? Yes, it is okay because I have some sad news. Oh, no. What? One of my favorite things I did two years ago is I went to the Rocky Mountain Gaming Convention out in uh, Denver, out in Breckenridge. Yes. Michael Cavanaugh, who uh, came on the show with me, he um, 
hosted this. He's been doing the Teton Con, and then he moved it to Rocky Mountain Gaming Vacation. He sent me an email. He said, I just want you to know that I'm shutting it down. Oh, why? He said that his heart's just not into it. There's a lot that goes into setting it up and getting it going. And this year, it was going to be in Lake Tahoe. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he just doesn't have the energy or the what uh, the the desire to continue it, and I can understand that. Sure, if if you don't have a passion for doing something, then just don't do it. You know, you hear about this all the time with like media creators, not just board game media tra- media creators, but anybody. They get burnout, and regardless of what it is, if if you just don't have the passion to create or do, then don't. You know, because otherwise, it ain't going to be any good, and you're just going to make yourself miserable. So I I hate that it's gone. I'm glad that he had all those years of creating some wonderful experiences for people. But maybe who knows? Maybe he'll take a break and several years down the road decide to start it up again. Maybe he'll miss it. And uh, if he does, I hope he just reaches back out to us. Because if in a couple of years, we'll still be around. So we will definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Do you mean like the show or us alive? Uh, Which way we're going here? Probably the show. Okay, Um, (laughs) You're the one doing push-ups. You know, I. But yeah, I mean, that was one of my favorite conventions. I mean, just because of the outdoors, the hiking and everything and, and the activities that you could do during the day and board game all night. So I'm going, I had convinced Donna that we were doing it again this coming year in 2019. And so now I got to figure out something to do. No problem. Come to Origins. Woohoo! Origins, baby. That's not something Donna's going to enjoy. Uh, But you would. That's, never mind. Now, I did get to play for the first time when you were out busy watching a cartoon. I I paused for you. Look, dude, here's the thing. You are a huge (laughs) Spider-Man fan. As a Spider-Man fan, go see this movie. Okay, and which movie is this? This is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's the new animated, animated movie from Sony that focuses on... Oh my gosh, Miles! I forgot his last name. It's the uh, it's the young uh, African American Spider Man that's in some mm-hmm. of the alternate universe comics. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I can't believe I forgot his last name. Anyway, the focus is on him, uh, but the, also the Spider Men and um, Spider Gwen from the other universes end up where he is, and so it's a lot of different uh, the different characters of Spider Man together. It's the comic book come to life, which a real life movie could not do. Okay. Cause you can't have a talking pig. Well, yeah, they have done talking pigs. A uh, spider ham is, is in it. Peter Porker is, is in this movie. He's uh. the, he is the uh, comedic relief. Uh, I tell you it, the movie has heart. The movie is funny. It is a excellent story. Please on a Tuesday night, $5 night, go, you will not regret it. I will probably, we'll probably go in uh, this coming month, January. Yes, I will. Probably get Donna to go and see that one with me on five dollars. She even asked if I wanted to go, and I said I don't know if you would enjoy it. So we got to figure it out. We'll we'll probably go there because there's some games I didn't never went and saw Venom. I haven't either. She she didn't want to see it. Yeah, exactly. But I got to play Biblio, something a, a, a Doctor Finn Steve Finn's game. One I've heard so many um, good things about. That's an older game. We don't get to play a lot of older games. That's pretty awesome. That's because you were at a cartoon and I was playing. <laughs> me and Mark and I, I and Bert and Jessica were able to play a game because you were at a cartoon. So Mark brought out Biblios, and it is for sale 
with dice manipulation. I fell in love with it, so I'm hoping to pick up a copy here soon so I can put it on my shelves as well. But Biblios, if you haven't had a chance to play this, I'm going to go ahead and just say go out, play it. And when I say for sale, if you've played for sale, you understand how it's done, but you're trying to manipulate the rules uh, or the dice because whoever has the most points in that color dice get to claim that dice, and those are your victory points. Who puts that out now? Uh, yellow, yeah. Or you can get it straight off uh, Finn's website. Dr. Finn's Games. Yeah, Dr. Yeah, so, Finn's Games. So I'm just looking this up. This came out, wow, 2007. 2007, 30-minute wow. game. And you say it's an auction bidding? I love auction bidding games. Uh, the second phase, just like for sale. So basically, you know, it's card drafting at the beginning. Yep. And you're you're picking those. You're trying to build your hand for the auction. And at the end of the auction, you're trying to get the most cards of a color that indicate the dice out on the board. And that is your victory points. And if you have the most, you claim that dice. And whoever has the most points in the dice win. But the thing is, there's dice manipulation where you can spin a dice down or spin a dice up. And that's huge. If you know someone's collecting blue and I spin that down from the three down to a two, down to a one, if they've got the most, they just got one point. Oh, okay. I've always heard it was really, really good. I've never got a chance to play it. Never seen it to buy it. And now it's on the want list. So I just noticed on Board Game Geek, it lists pressure luck what's the pressure luck element uh the pressure luck is during the auctioning okay how much am i going to press uh you on the next bid like drive the bid up and you know mark he's he's an excellent bidder <laughs> <laughs> i guess there was some sarcasm in that statement <laughs> just a, it was funny <laughs> Oh, so yeah. Anyway, but that was fun. So while you were watching a cartoon, I was playing Biblios in a game we're going to talk about, Black Orchestra, later. Yeah, that sounds really cool, man. If you get it, I definitely, I definitely like to check it out. It's one of those old school games that sometimes we like to talk about on the show. Uh, I wouldn't mind checking it out. Well, <laughs> transition from an old school game to a game that's not even out yet, but it's on uh, Kickstarter. Uh, we had uh, the company. Oh wow, I'm going to say this wrong. Malkers. It's a it's an interactive card game, M-A-L-K-Y-R-S, that uh, they contacted about. And I thought, oh, this looks kind of cool. And then I saw that it's a, it's a two-player card game, but it uses like near-field communication to work with your phone or your laptop or eventually a switch to where you can basically like, input the card into the game and uh, or into an application. And that becomes part of the game to where you can like upgrade cards so it's your typical type of like two-player card game, except that the cards that you have that you scan can be upgraded over time and made better. And when you trade those cards away, those upgrades go with the card. So if you had a card that I want to trade for, anything that you had done to it, I would now get. Obviously, I haven't played it. It looked really cool on Kickstarter. It's already funded. Uh, there's only just a few days left in the Kickstarter, but it, it's, it's going to go to market. They said they may send us a prototype just so we can see how the game works. I don't know. I just really love seeing how games are now integrating technology, and I thought this was a good way to do it. Much like we like Champions because you can scan in the card and play online, here you actually information with the card stays with the card as, as it, it's upgrading and stuff over time. And it will be coming out on the Switch in 2019 and there are a lot of really good games coming out on the switch and in fact did you see where carcassonne is now coming out asmodee digital is going to start rolling out their games on the switch and carcassonne was the first yeah i saw that and i talked about getting a switch for christmas and then i said when am i gonna to get to play this i gotta play real games none of this online crap I got to play the real stuff. Oh, I agree. I mean, when it comes to board games, I would probably rather play the, the real stuff too. But 
I tell you, I must admit, Tony, I was uh, several years ago when they first announced the Switch, I was totally wrong. When I first saw that commercial for the Switch and they were advertising it, taking it outside and playing with friends and stuff, I said, okay, Nintendo, you just blew it on the Wii U. You are blowing it on the Switch. I was dead wrong. The Switch is on fire right now. And a game that came out uh, a couple weeks ago that uh, my son got for birthday, Super Smash Brothers. Oh, you know that's solid. It is the best version of the game. I've played them all. To me, this is the best version of the game. It's deep. You could play online. You could play eight-player couch co-op. Eight people sitting around the TV punching the mess out of each other. If you're looking for a fun, simple fighting game, this is it. And if you've played the older versions and you have a Switch, you got to get this one. In fact, this is a Switch seller to me. Just okay. like I would say that with Zelda or uh, Mario Odyssey, this is also a Switch seller. And and they're selling Switches are selling like hotcakes. This is already the biggest selling Smash game over in Europe. It is breaking records in Japan. They haven't released any U.S. data as of this recording. But uh, it's hot. And and years ago, when they said, Nintendo said, we want like multiple Switches in every household. I went, no way. Consoles, one per house. Well, that's until uh, my other two sons said, hey, for Christmas, I want my own Switch. We are now a four-Switch household, Tony. What? Four? Travis is at college, so he'll take one with him. Adam's getting a job, going to be moving out, hopefully soon. And <laughs> <laughs> he'll have a Switch with him. Brett has his own, and I was jealous, so I asked for one, too. Oh, my gosh, four. And I got nada. That's fine. I know where to come. I know where to come play if I need to. Well, I want a Diablo. So I'm taking that sucker to work, and I'm playing Diablo during lunch. But you have to be online. No, you don't. Not with Diablo. If I buy extra dock, I can just run the HDMI cable to my monitor and just sit there and play at work. Oh, my heavens. See, and Rebecca looked, came to me, and she goes, Daddy, do you still have a 3DS? And I said, yes. And matter of fact, I just bought Pokemon. She goes, really? Are you playing it? And I said, well, I just started out. Can I try it? Yeah. I haven't seen my 3DS in a month. <laughs> Good. Is she playing Pokemon? Yeah. she's. But she's ran into that same thing that you always run into, where you're in that progression of getting your Pokemon leveled up. Mm-hmm. To the point where you're able to go, you know, to the to the next gym, or yep. you, you're, you're doing that. But more importantly, which is going to create issues for us during our 2019 movie draft. Oh boy, Avengers or the Pokemon Pikachu Ryan Reynolds? Oh my gosh! I don't think it's close. I think it's Avengers. Oh, well, I do too. But I will electrocute you out my butt. I, I, no, I think it's going to be big. I think it's, it's going to be because it's, it's a Memorial Day release. But do, don't you have first pick? Yeah, I got. Yes, I have first pick. Well, it's. Well, I, I wasn't saying that to be mean. I'm no, just saying, you weren't. You weren't trying to rub it in on how poorly I lost. Well, I mean, one. for you right now, I would think it's a no-brainer. Unless there's something where oh. Toy Story 4. Yes. Holy crap. You got a decision to make. I mean, I know the Pikachu movie is not going to beat Avengers. Everybody's going to come back to see Avengers. I know that. Yep. So uh, it's it's a shoe in But still, there are some movies already lining up this summer that I'm like excited to see. And we really need to wait till our draft back in April. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. So I think I've got third pick. I think I've got third pick this year, which stinks. I'm used to having the, that double pick, which is a sweet position to be in. 
either first or fourth. Right. Oh, man. Movies, games, so much going on. It's just the beginning of 2019. Thank goodness. Shoot, we've got our big award show, The Squirrelies. That we've started working on. We have? Shh. Just act like we have. Okay, yeah, we yeah, have. Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. Got the, we got some lists going. I've already been reaching out to some new presenters okay. that have not been on this show before. Some some big names, Tony. Big names. Excellent. All right. Well, good. We need some new blood here. I do know that for those over at the BGG Guild, number 1589, be sure to check it out because the All Y'all Awards will be posted out there for everybody to go out pick. Actually, it's for everybody to get into where I put out a Google form and you get to select your game of 2018. And so that will be coming out because we have to get it ready so our presenters can go ahead and do it. So just heads up, people. It's coming. Speaking of Google Forms and all that, you know what? We had our big survey uh, mm-hmm. to, to kick off our what, sixth anniversary, and uh, it ran for a month, and we got all the results in. Tony, it's time to share those results with everybody and pick some winners for two $25 gift certificates to Miniature Market and a copy of Impact. You ready to go do some data analysis? Let's do it. We are so happy to have back sponsoring Rolling Dice and Taking Names, The Broken Token. That's right. Welcome back. Do they know what they signed up for again? Obviously not. So that's okay. Just quick, cash the check, please. (laughs) So anyway, thebrokentoken.com. Head over there for all your gaming inserts and accessory needs. They have got some Keyforge tokens for all you Keyforge maniacs like Marty. Mm, Which I'm going to be getting a set of those, Tony. So next episode, I'll be able to go into detail about them. And then, of course, you know you got a few games over the holidays. Be sure to ease that setup by checking out all the possible inserts that you can pick up over at thebrokentoken.com. And once again, when they signed up for us, they forgot they get to produce some sweet squirrely awards for our winners coming in a couple of months. That's thebrokentoken.com. The 2018 survey results are in, and we promised we'd keep the survey short, so this segment would be short. That's right, because usually we go into detailed analysis of each question that we ask. We asked so few questions that it's not going to be as long as what it typically is. Exactly, but to make sure you people don't fast forward, we will be announcing the names periodically as we review some of the questions. We're not going to go into a lot of detail here, but Marty, if you would, please. Question number one. Question number one is, and to me was the most interesting question and most uh, beneficial to me is how long have you been listening to the show? We had multiple choices, less than a year, about two years, three to five years, and since the beginning. And what was so cool, 55% of the people who responded have been listening two years or less. That means over our six-year lifespan, over 50% of of those that responded have just started listening two years ago, which was good because you missed the really bad stuff in the early years. Yeah, you didn't miss anything, to be honest with you. You just, <laughs> plain and simple. And then from that, we had uh, 37.7% listen three to five years. And since the beginning, 8% of the people have been listening since we first started episode one. Now, obviously, this is not counting the number of those who listened in the beginning and are no longer listening because they wouldn't know to respond to the poll. 
This is true. Unless they came back and know that we always do one at the end of the year and just want to mess this up. But I think <laughs> you're absolutely that's, right. That's right. Can we just put out a general pause? Like, when did you stop listening? <laughs> About six years ago. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you for all our new listeners, the ones who have hung in with us. We really do appreciate it. And we always do listen to our listeners' feedback. So if yep. you want to send any notes, comments, tell us we're going off the track. Like we recently had someone say... You know, boys, you need to uh, rail it, uh, bring it back in, rein it back in a little bit. We f- read those, take them to heart. R- rain what back in? Rain whatever we're discussing that's going off the tracks. Like, oh, oh you I don't mean know, lawnmowers. lawnmowers? Yeah. <laughs> now, the next question we asked, you know, what type of game discussions do you like on the show? And Marty and I never really stick to a basic script, except we have two types. We have our five minute uh, initiatives, which Basically, we spend five minutes going through a game, talking about what it is, what we like, whether it stays on our shelves or not. And then we go to those games that are, oh, really catch our attention or that we feel that the rule explanation or our feelings about it are going to take more than five minutes, kind of like this question is doing with me now. Those are our two types of discussions. And everybody likes a mix. So guess what? I was really hoping to kill the full-blown and really shorten up this show. But no, we get to keep the mix. Well, me being the engineer that I am, I like numbers. So let's give them what the numbers are. The lip, Like the mix of the two was 77.4%. So a huge, huge number said, give us both. About 15% said just the five-minute initiatives. And even less than that, what? Uh, about 8% said the full-blown. So... People like a mix of both. We like a mix of both. So we'll stick with a mix of both. So the next question, when do you listen to the show? And this was just kind of interesting. Is it like, oh my gosh, when you guys come out, we got to push it straight to the top of the list and listen now. Or it's like, you know what? I think I'll go listen to that episode you guys released about three months ago. So the uh, options were the day it's released within the first week of release sometime after the first week. And I'll get to it when I get to it. And the biggest uh, by far was 70, 71% within the first week. So within the first seven days when people t- people typically listen. And then <laughs> what's funny is they actually the next highest is when I get to it. <laughs> so that is the one where it's like, yeah, yeah so you guys <laughs> talked about this about two months ago. I'll listen to it now. Uh, the next highest was the day it's released at just right at 10%. So those t- so almost the same responses were when get to it when I can and the day of release. And then some people say, hey, it's sometime after the first week, which is what I get to it when I get to it, kind of, I guess, at the same time. Exactly. And what was important to me about this, Marty, was I wanted to know how to run our contest, mm. when, to, when to schedule certain things so that we know how to uh, you know, bring on maybe designers who may have a Kickstarter or a game coming out so that we can go back to them and say, hey, you know, this is what our audience does. So this lets me with the scheduling uh, of various things on the show. So that, that was very important to me. Because I say, this is something we actually consider. So now that we see this data, we know that 80% of the people listen within the first day to the first week. And why that's important is because uh, when we review games that are maybe getting ready to come out, sometimes publishers will say, hey, we're going to send you a game before it hits retail. They like to have games be talked about right before it hits retail. And we can say, look, we're going to talk about it on this date. And 80% of our audience... We'll listen to it within a week. And like you said, Tony, the same thing with Kickstarter, right? Mm -hmm. People say, hey, would you mind talking about our Kickstarter? It's like, well, you know, just so you know, if we do it by this date, majority of our audience will listen to it by this date. So it does help us with scheduling for sure. Exactly. And now before we go to our next question, I won't give away a gift card of $25, Marty. Are you ready? Oh, I am ready. $25 gift card to Miniature Market, right? Yeah, sure. Maybe Walmart. 
No, we'll go manage your market. <laughs> maybe, maybe Walmart. I don't know what I, you know, I haven't, we haven't had Christmas yet. I didn't know what gift cards I might get. May help our cost here on the show. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so guess what? Somebody's going to win a tie and a pair of socks. Oh, no. No, no, no. Squirrel. So I was in Walmart. Yep. Okay. And I was walking by the menswear and I saw these slippers that are not slipper socks, but slippers. They had the minions. They had Spider-Man. They had bacon. They had camouflage. And the best thing at all, they had the old school Avengers. Oh yeah. And they match my pajama pants. I am so excited. Rebecca bought them for me for Christmas. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're going to be worn at your game day at your house. Yeah, if you do that, oh, pictures will be shared. I want them to be shared. So anyway, Jason DeYoung, you have just won a $25 gift card for Miniature Market. You will be contacted via email Woo! from us. So congratulations, Jason. It's funny. You said that you're going to spread these out through the survey, but there's only like two questions left. Well, that's because we were flying through them. We didn't want to hold up. So moving along, which guests do you enjoy on the show? 100% of the people said they liked Rodney Smith. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> in fact, they said, in fact, if you could just give your show over to Rodney, that'd be really great. Thanks. Other media personalities uh, was up there with uh, 62%, but the biggest, of course, was designers. They have 73%, Marty, and you know we're lining those people up. We are. We've actually already started talking, because when we first saw this, it's like, all right, people love to hear about the creative process and the, and the designers, and we have had some of the best episodes when we had Eric Lang, Rob Davio, Ignacion, just Ignacion, where did that come from? Ignacy on, how about that? Just talking about the games that are coming out, the work they did on the games, the design process, people love to hear about it. So now we're looking at having not only some of those same people back, but some brand new people on, on the show talking about their design process. We've had the Saddlers on multiple times over the years too. We like having those guys on. It's always fun to hear about those people that make the things that we love to do. Isaac Vega. I mean, we love having yeah. Isaac on. Emerson, he covered this when uh, I was on vacay. Oh, um, I've already hit up Emerson. I said, Emerson, uh, he just announced a Metal Gear Solid game that's going to be coming out from IDW. It's a, uh, a hidden movement type game because, you know, Metal Gear Solid is all about sneaking around and stuff. So I said, okay, when we get some more details, we need to have you on the show because we'd love to hear about this. As in, there's probably a lot of Metal Gear Solid fans out there. And typically when you hear about, oh, no, it's like a board game based on a video game. It's going to blow. But not when our friend Emerson Matsuishi does it. I bet it's going to be good. I was, I was listening to Board Games Insider, the podcast by Stephen Bonacore and Ignacy. I haven't gone and listened to How to Say His Name as Ella did for everybody. Yeah, and I think we've been saying the first name wrong by what she said. Ignacy? The way she said the first name is not the way we say it. So now I feel bad because we've been saying it wrong for all these years. He will forever be Ignacy in my heart. <laughs> Even if it's not the right name. Anyway, on on Board Games Insider, he did a shout out to our Martin Wallace episode and said even he learned some things. Uh, Martin Wallace, when we had to come on and talk Wildlands. Yeah, that was that was exciting, too. So and Martin Wallace was cool because you don't hear him on a lot of shows. That's right. So maybe that's why I like to get some people that maybe you don't hear from a lot 
and uh, get their perspective on things. Now, moving on, let's let's give away another gift card. We're, we're only halfway through this question, so we're pausing this question, giving away another. Okay, cool. No, I'm already done with that question. I, well, I no, you haven't finished. Publishers were almost 50%. The Scurry Reporters were 42%. That's when we have our buddies Mark and Nate on. And then we just had like... Other buddies of ours, I told Tony, I asked you, what does that even mean? I mean, just, it's just other, because usually other media people ends up being our other buddies, but you said you, other people besides media people. Right. So basically like Joe Manganiello, you know, our buddy, Joe, Joe Manganiello, our good buddy, Joe Manganiello. Yeah. And that was at 48%. So thing is people like guests. In fact, only 8% of the people said no guest at all. And to be honest, Tony, I thought it might would have been higher, but then I realized, wait a minute, if we have guests on, that means they don't have to hear us. Now I get it. Exactly. Now, can I give away another $25 gift card? Yeah. There. By the way, there were a lot of singers. I guess you had a write-in vote. Some of these were funny. Lawnmower professionals. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Uh, family members. We actually had several people say our wives, our kids. So they have some decent write-ins too. Okay, now go ahead and give your one. Go ahead, go ahead, give it away. I appreciate that. Now for another $25 gift card to miniaturemarket.com. That's right, miniaturemarket.com for all your gaming needs. Paul Mazzoni. I hope I pronounced that right. If not, Paul, I apologize, but you know who you are and you will be contacted by us. Congratulations, Paul. And the very last question. And this was a joke question. I did it was, this just. It was a joke. People had fun with it. If you own a lawnmower, what type is it? Uh, that was so funny. We got, you know, we got every type of lawnmower you can imagine. <laughs> One of the funniest responses was to me was, I outsourced that shizzle. <laughs> <laughs> and mine was, I live in Canada. I got a snowblower. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's push mowers and riding mowers and all different types of models and some people send us like amazon links to which more they had it was uh it was funny one, one, person just, one person just said apartment living boys that's right you ain't got to deal with no yard do you that's awesome and one of my another favorite that caught mine because i'm seeing transformers here a toro front wheel assisted drive goes into a vertical standing position as well i can just see it transforming out in the middle of the yard you know i'm like oh that would be awesome oh so yeah that was just a throwaway question just for fun, but people people had to have uh, fun. Ooh, some guy said a push more for a two acre lawn, dude. If you're not doing it for exercise, you need to get yourself a ride more. Okay, that's enough of that. For the last gift, gift, not a gift. For the last contest entry, we had a impact giveaway. That is the new strike. That is the strike elements in space. That is the rebranding of strike, which should never have happened, in my opinion. But we will leave that. That is an opinion, not. Well, it's the correct opinion. I'm I'm keeping out of it. The winner of Impact is Randall Berry. I think I said that right. B-I-E-R-I. Randall, you will be contacted by us, of course, so that we can get your address so we can ship this game to you. So, Randall, congratulations. And those are our winners, Marty, Jason, Paul, and Randall. When are we going to get interns to do this sort of thing for us? I thought that's what I was based on my pay. <laughs> Just thinking outside the box here, man. <laughs> oh, that's funny. 
Okay. Oh, so thank you again so much for all those who responded to the poll. We love doing this each year. And, and this year we twisted up some of the questions a little bit, got some more information. And even though those were simple questions to answer, we really did learn a lot. And if you ever want to give us feedback, please do so. You can email us privately at names at gmail.com. You can message us on our Facebook page privately if you want to give us some feedback there, which people have done in the past. Uh, or you can just put it out public and, and just say whatever you want to. We do listen to everything that is said and we run it through. Tony and I discuss it. You know, does this make sense? Is this, you know, this, we're not going to do that. That's a good idea. So thank you for all those who participated and uh, thank you for helping kick us, kick off our seventh year. We're actually going to really talk about a game now. All right. So Christmas is over. What happens if you didn't get that game that you wanted? There was something that you put on the list for Santa to bring to you, and it just didn't happen for some reason. Well, guess what? There is somebody out there that can help you fulfill those missing Christmas wish lists, and that's miniaturemarket.com. They've had a huge sales and everything over the Christmas holidays, but that's over now as they're probably restocking and getting all those hard-to-find games back in so those things that you couldn't find right before Christmas are going to be restocked and you can go out there right now. Or, or Tony, maybe they got a miniature market gift card. Remember, that is always an option that you can give to somebody. If you don't know what they want, just give them a gift card, just like we just gave away for our survey winners. So again, you could check out all the games and order gift cards for people and send them to them over at miniaturemarket.com. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. We were big fans of a lot of games that came out from AEG in 2018, which was, we were excited to try Scorpius Freighter from designers David Short and Matthew Dunstan. In this game, you are controlling a freighter, and your freighter has 16 slots on that board that can have equipment, that can have cargo holds, that you're going to be trying to get cargo over the course of the game and fulfill contracts or some side jobs in order to generate victory points. And the cool thing about this is, is on the main board, there are ships that orbit around three different planets. And you have crew members that on your turn, you can deploy uh, to help move that ship. You can deploy the one or two, take one of those ships and you'll rotate at one or two spots. It lands on an action selection spot. You take that action and then the player moves on to the next player. This is also a timer, Tony, which we both liked. Once a, a ship makes a full revolution, a cube from whoever moved it past that uh, one spot on, on to make it a full revolution takes a cube from their board and puts it in the ship. And once a ship is full, that's going to trigger the end of the game. And Tony, I think you say it best. This at its root is really an engine builder. Uh, that's all it is. And from my standpoint, you know, one of the neat mechanics to me is when you've already mentioned it's about the crew and how to move that ship, you slide that up and that's how far you can move it. But based on the number of crew that are left, the number of hands they're showing, you get to do two actions from that. Those are your actions. So if you only want the ship to move one, then you have three actions left. Now you're like, well, wait, there's only four crew members. Well, how can I increase that action? Well, there are engine parts of your ship that you can later add. I enjoyed that part too, Marty. I like the engine building of this. I'm trying to put together a ship that will be very efficient and allow me various actions later in the game. 
overall for me, that's the big strong point of this game that I enjoyed. The hand is an icon for how many things you can do on a particular action, right? So if I have two crew members committed to moving, I have two crew members left and they each have one hand. But like you said, Tom, the more hands you have, the better. So when, like, if you want to flip over a crew member and take advantage of their other side, you have to pay a certain amount of cargo, the yellow cargo, but you get a discount for every hand you have showing. Or when you go and pick up cargo, the different types of holds that you can fill is depending on the number of hands you have showing. If you have two hands showing, you can fill up two cargo slots, but then you add equipment in there and to get equipment, there's a place you could buy it on the board based on the number of hands. The leftmost spot on the market requires one hand, the rightmost requires four hands. When you buy, they all slide down one. So it's all about engine building to get more hands available to you to use on a particular action, to make things better, to get bigger contracts, to get bigger side jobs, to generate more victory points. That's exactly right. And on top of that, you've got to be sure that your tile placement is primo. Mm. Because if you are loading up your cargo and you want to put yellow cubes next to red cubes, that's okay. You can do that. However... If you place a yellow next to a yellow, either horizontally or vertically. You're talking talking about a cargo card. A cargo card. If you place those horizontally, side by side, or vertically. Orthogonally. Yes, big word. I'm good with that. Then when you do that action of filling your cargo, you can put cubes on both of them because they're side by side. So you have your tile building. And once you get past that base game, you can flip over and suddenly your ship is more complicated. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've got hidden compartments that block where you can place the tile. So it adds that element to it as well. I enjoyed that part of the game was that tile placement aspect of it. Yeah. And the equipment that you buy during the game, you can actually activate it. So when it comes to your turn, if you take if you move one of the ships on top of an activate action around one of the planets, however many hands you have showing, you can activate that number of equipment. What happens if you maybe upgraded one of your guys that says, hey, you get an extra hand or whatever, whenever you take that particular action, all the crew members are different. So it has a little bit of an asymmetric feel. Tony, for me, I enjoyed the game, but it felt like it went too quick for me. Uh, It felt like that uh, by the time I felt like I had an engine going, one of those ships that rotates around the planets was getting ready to have its cargo hold filled. And when that happens, that triggers the end of the game. So of all the games that came out from AG last year, Thunderstorm Quest, Istanbul the Dice Game, Space Base, I loved all those. I thought this one was good, but to me, it wasn't the same standard as those. Still a solid game, but I think I like those other better. And for me, I walked away from that game thinking... I didn't play it very well. I need to give it some more chances. Now, like you just said, those incredible games that you've listed, it would have a tough time beating them out. Once again, good game, good puzzle game, good engine building game, but I would put Istanbul and the rest of them on the table before I would place this game on the table. That is Scorpius Freighter from AEG. Solid engine builder game. But you probably need to check it out for yourself and see what you think. Five minute initiative is complete. Also, as a tradition at rolling dice and taking names, we often are told we are full of crap when it comes to some of our game impressions when we talk about games. So we happen to have another copy of Scorpius Freighter, and we are going to give it away to one of our Podge Pledge backers. That's right, people. Did you say Podge Pledge again? You said Podge Pledge again. Yes. It's uh, yes. Pod. 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 
pledge. If Chaz was as good a friend of me as you are, he would change the name so I wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> like you did with our link. <laughs> Podge pledge. The hodgepodge pledge. That's it. So, yeah. So we're going to give it away a copy of Scorpius Freighter here so that you can play it and tell us how full of crap we were based on our discussion. <laughs> and I am fine with that. So guess what? What? Oh, crap. I wrote this name so poorly, I can't read it right now. But that's okay. Bradley? Did you say Bradley? Bradley? Bradley. Yes. Bradley Skaggs. Bradley, you are the winner of Scorpius Freighter. Congratulations, sir. We'll be getting in touch with you, Bradley, and uh, get your address and everything, which we already have it because it's on Pod Pledge. And make sure that's still a valid address, and we'll get that sent out to you ASAP. And you tell us what you think about Scorpius Freighter. It's time to talk about games that I love. These are co-op games. Not everybody loves them, and I understand. They do not. In fact, we have one in our game group that does not like co-op games at all. Loser. (laughs) Um... Well, here's the thing. The great thing about co-op games is that a lot of people don't want to sit there and play a very competitive game or they feel intimidated by maybe sitting down and learning the rules, knowing that they're kind of on their own trying to figure out how to play the game. With the co-op game, everybody's helping everybody else out, which is the beauty of it. Yes, it is. And and I enjoy that. And I also like the, the aspect of not always constantly having to beat one another, that you can work together. And if a game is well designed, then that's important. Okay, for Christmas, are you going to get a new mouse? (laughs) (laughs) Scroll, 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 scroll. Luckily, see, I take that stuff out so that you don't hear it. Now, if I do it while I'm talking, you're probably going to hear it. But while you're talking, I I take all that out. I'll fix it in post. How about I chew on this golden Oreo while you (laughs) try to do something? Lord. (laughs) Okay. So... Marty what? was lucky enough to receive from Z-Man, mm-hmm. uh, Asmodee, a copy of the new Pandemic. Pandemic Fall of Rome, which, Tony, is interesting. You requested this game, but it ended up at my house, and I haven't had a chance to get it to you yet. So I thought, well, while it's here, I might as well play it. And when I was at Gen Con, I stopped by Sterling Games, and I got a copy of... Uh, Starling Games? Starling Games. Oh, my Sterling. gosh. Podge Pledge, Sterling, Sterling Games. Games. Starling Games. Uh, game Salute is actually the publisher of this Black Orchestra. I've heard a lot of really good things about Black Orchestra. Oh, so, so while you were watching a cartoon... we got to play black orchestra and the setting of this game marty i don't know if you know i mean i got feeling pandemic the fall of rome i got an idea what that setting is but black orchestra is a co-op game where you are trying to alter history by taking out hitler Mm, okay did you see the tom cruise movie valkyrie i did not but i know the premise behind the movie and the the you know the real life story behind it that is the basis for black orchestra okay you are trying to take out hitler you and your fellow conspirators are out there trying to take hitler out by achieving a plot Normally, a co-op game is one where I, you know, you're trying, you're trying to prevent stuff from happening. We all think of pandemic, trying to prevent outbreaks, and we're trying to cure disease, and that whole mindset of okay, I'm going to go move, I'm going to remove cubes, you know, along those lines. And I know there's been a lot of co-op games, and when we think of co-op, that's what immediately rushes to our heads, or at least it does for me. So I'm kind of curious, Marty, how did pandemic fall of Rome? differ from that and i'll also compare it to a black orchestra fall of rome 
really didn't because you're trying to prevent basically roll roll and foam row you're trying to prevent Rome from falling to barbarian tribes. And this is, I, I like historical stuff, which is why this was, I was into this like the Anglo-Saxons and the Franks, the Vandals, the Huns, the Visigoths and the Ostrogoths. So instead of, of diseases that are moving around the board, you basically have these barbarian tribes that are marching towards Rome. So your goal is to try to keep them back. Okay. So they're already on the board trying to come in. Not spreading out. They are seated at the beginning of the game like a typical pandemic game where you turn over three cards and put three cubes in a city. The same thing happens here. So there are some on the board, but over the course of the game, they're going to get closer and closer to Rome. Okay. Or Roma at the time. Roma. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and you're trying to defeat them back. Kind of like, that that reminds me of Defenders of the Realm, Richard Lawrence's great game, where they are marching towards the, the center city. And you're trying to defeat them back along those lines, the various types of hordes that are coming. Now, of course, with with Alanius' game, you're rolling dice. Now, I'm assuming in in this game, there are no dice. Oh, but Tony, there is dice. Oh, we got a similarity. We'll get to that in a second. But so how is, as you say, Black Orchestra is different? From that aspect, you're not trying to prevent something from happening? No, you are trying to create a plot. So you just said that you love the historical aspect of the game. I do. Okay. Now, in Black Orchestra, when you set this up, everybody is starting in Berlin. And what is unique about this is you as a conspirator, you know that you've got to do something about Hitler. But you are timid. You are not committed to the cause yet of assassinating Hitler yet. So you have to build that up. You have to become committed to the cause, but you have to also keep suspicion away from you. Mm. So those are the two elements that you're trying to manage on your player board. Okay. okay? Which is something very different than most co-op games from the standpoint of your own player board. You're actually having to manipulate those types of actions. And that's important because you've got to be committed to the cause in order to try to do an attempt to kill Hitler, but you cannot be too suspicious or you will be thrown in the the Gestapo will pick you up. They will arrest you. And that's a bad day because if everybody, if all the conspirators are arrested, the game ends and it is very historic. So let me ask you this. If, uh, if you're a conspirator and you get arrested, can you get out of jail or are you out of the game? You can get out of jail if a fellow conspirator comes and visits you and they convince the SS to release you. And that is done through the roll of a die. And so uh, let me ask you the next question. Are all the conspirators the same or do they have special abilities? They all have special abilities, man. They're all different. Just like I'm sure you've got special abilities in Pandemic, Fall of Rome. Yep, exactly. So if you've ever played Pandemic, you know, everybody has, you know, special abilities, whether it be the medic or the scientist, et cetera. Here you're playing, uh, it's, it's really cool. Again, as a historical game, you're playing specific roles of that time. A consul, the magister militum, the marketer, uh, Vestalis, Regina Foderator. That's probably said that wrong. Anyway, all these are just really unique roles uh, that uh, that you'll work together with, and because some are some are better than other things, and others some are good at fighting, and some some are not, obviously. And I guess the same <laughs> way that's that's really profound, wasn't it? Some are good at fighting, and some some are not. Are not. <laughs> uh, well, I hope they're good at something. Wow. 
<laughs> oh, 2019 is going to be solid. Yeah, it was one of those things I was trying to read as I was trying to talk, which was a bad mistake. I'm going, I'm sitting there reading, boy, I really flood that name up as I, was, as I was reading it. Meanwhile, I'm trying to talk through that whole process. So yes, just like in pandemic, you have different roles. Now for black orchestra, though, the roles are such that you have to be at an elevated level in order for them to kick in. It's not automatic. You have to be more committed to the calls than if you're timid, it's not active. So you have to elevate that. Now, just like your guys are coming in, Marty, one of the things interesting about this is there's no whole bunch of cubes trying to come and attack me. You still have to deal with the various Nazi war machine. You have to deal with Hitler, Hess, uh, Goebbels, Goering, Himmler. They're moving around the board. And if you're in the same city as they are at mm -hmm. the start of your turn, there are some negative impacts to that. And so you have to manage that. You can move through the city or um, go through the city, stop on the city. But if they are there at the start of your turn, you may lose an item or you may have to discard cards. So there's the negative impact on my game. On your game, was there any type of negative impact along those lines where yeah, at the start of your turn, if something were to happen, or is it the typical pandemic, uh, draw an event card, this happened? Uh, we know it's a typical pandemic. At, uh, end of, at the end of everybody's turn, everybody gets four actions on their turn. And then you draw two cards, just like a pandemic. And then, you know, you go to the event deck and draw the top card and you put basically a cube out. Now, Tony, this was where this was a little bit different. You know, in Pandemic, it's just whatever city it is, you drop a cube there. But what they're trying to emulate with this game is the March on Rome. So when you draw a card, it may say it's it's the Huns. And I'll say that the Huns were green. And it, say, and it says there should be a cube that goes in this area uh, or this city. What you do is you look at that city. And if there's already a cube there, you just add a cube to it. But if there's not... The card actually shows you the path that they're walking from their home base on the map. You back up one city. Is there a green cube there? Nope. Back up another city. Is there a green cube there? Nope. You keep going until you back up to where there's a city with a green cube, which would be back at their base, and then you put a cube after it. So even though the, the card may have shown, hey, we're going to put a, a cube way over on the east side of the board, if they haven't marched that far, you start working your way back along the west until you get to the last city that they're in and add one from there. So over the course of the game, you see them working their way towards the center of the map to attack Rome. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you feel a hurried pace? Was there kind of an anxious moment during that time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, ex exactly. Because like with pandemic, you can have what they call outbreaks, but basically what is called sacking the city. So mm. if you were ever at a fourth cube to an area, those spill out to the other cities. Those barbarians spill out to the other cities. But Tony, you said in your game, you said if you're in a city where like one of those people went to something bad happens, it's kind of the opposite here. Because one of the new mechanics here is you have forts that you can uh, put on the board. If you uh, discard a card in the same city that you're in, you can put a fort there. Once you have a fort there, one of the actions you could do on your turn is recruit legionnaires, which Ooh. are these really cool meeples, and you can uh, recruit up to three of them. If there's a legionnaire in a city, when a cube comes out on the board, the legionnaire negates the cube. Your goal is to fortify the map with forts and legionnaires so that as the cubes would pop in from the event deck, the legionnaires take them out. 
And when they take, basically they cancel each other out. Instead of a cube going down, you remove one legionnaire. If there was a fort there. Now, if there was no fort there or your pawn wasn't there, they would all be wiped out. But still, it does negate that placement of the cube. So now there's this strategy behind of trying to put the legionnaires out to protect them from uh, the barbarians moving into Rome. So that's why you you would kind of want them to pop into certain cities where you already have it fortified. Okay, I'm 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 for some odd reason I'm rushing to pandemic legacy and immunizations and quarantines and things like that. Okay. That works the same way. Okay. Obviously, pandemic is all about a map. Does Black Orchestra, you said, is it, is it somewhat map-based also? Oh, it is. It is. It is. You are in Germany. You are building the World War II front. It follows history. You talk about how Hitler and the German force are moving throughout Europe. And at various events, there are seven event decks. And you're drawing cards at the end of your turn. You pull over an event card, just like you would do in Pandemic. And when you do that, you're going through the various stages of history. And as you reach to each event deck, event deck number two or event deck number three, you're seeing the Nazi war machine spread out. Like in one of the events, they have taken over Poland. They invade France. And you're moving along. And this allows you to move throughout the map because on the map... We don't have forts, but we have items. And Mm. you go there, and one of the actions you can do is reveal an item. Another action is you may pick up an item. But what's important to know is these items are needed to fulfill the plot cards. Because unlike Pandemic and, and what I'm hearing you talk about Fall of Rome, in order to win this game, to assassinate Hitler, you are going to, at the at the time when you are committed to the cause, you will roll dice to try to determine how if it is successful. Now, these dice have special characters on them. One of them has the eagles. And if you have so many eagles, then your suspicion was too high and they knew that you were going to attempt him, they will arrest you. If you have the number of bullseyes and it's greater than Hitler's military strength and your suspicion is low enough, you have assassinated Hitler and you have won the game. So that's the mechanism. So when you have enough items, you turn those in to recruit your dice, and then you take an attempt at assassinating Hitler. And just like in military history, or in the history, Hitler's military strength grows through the middle of the game. And when Russia invades and Operation Overlord and all that occurs, and Hitler's popularity begins to wane, his military support greatly decreases, increasing your attempt at getting success in your plot. There's the, there's the give and take in that game. You have to plan it out so that you have, he has less military support. Very cool in how they incorporated the events in history in this game. So it's not like, Oh my God, it's going to quickly do a complete overtake. It's not going to happen. That's one of the things that you've got to be very careful with in this game. Also at the end in event in the seventh period of this game, there is an automatic you lose card. You don't have to play with that. Your documents are discovered. The conspirators are found out and everybody is um, arrested. You don't have to play with that. Mm. So throughout the game, it's a give and take on Black Orchestra. Now, overall for me in this game, I really appreciate the history. I really appreciated uh, how much detail was in this game. And I also enjoyed how we worked together um, to trying to develop the plots to ensure that we were able to succeed. And um, so this this rule book also has a really cool, one cool page, one cool page, wow, one page with a lots of really cool facts about what was going on during Rome and those uh, evading um, 
people during the time. And so it's funny that you say that uh, during the middle, Hitler gets stronger. It's funny at the very beginning of the game, uh, event there's some event cards that aren't put into the event deck. And what it is, it's five Roma cards, five Roma location cards, one of each color of the five invading uh, barbarians. Uh, instead of epidemic cards, like in pandemic, you have revolt cards. So when you draw a revolt card, you resolve it. You increase the invasion rate so the more happens. You take the bottom card from the event deck and you add three cubes there. Take the discard pile and shuffle it back into the top. The first time you shuffle back in, you take all those five Roma cards and shuffle them in. So now cubes could automatically start appearing at Rome. Now, again, it follows the same rules. If they if they haven't gotten there through the path, they will work their way there. But now there's a direct line to Rome that you mm. now have to worry about. And I hadn't even talked about how you win the game. Much like in a pandemic where you try to discard five of the same color to cure a disease. Here, you discard five of the same color to make allegiances or allies with the barbarians. And this is what's cool because once you make an ally with somebody, if you move your pawn to a city with the same color cube that you've already made an ally with, one of the actions that you can do is uh, enlist barbarians. You would take all the cubes of that color off the board and replace them with legionnaires. So when you ally with people, all of a sudden you can convert the cubes to legionnaires to help you fight. Ooh, okay. All right. I like that. So, mm-hmm. so it's not a lost cause. You're not constantly battling the same people over and over, or they're, they're now dead to you. Exactly. So the way you win the game is you forge an alliance with all five of the barbarians, or you have all of their cubes. It's a mixture of the both. You have you forge alliances, and the ones you haven't forged alliances with, if you have all their cubes off the board, then, then you win the game. Now, there's multiple ways to lose the game, uh, like uh, if there's enough outbreaks or uh, not revolts, uh, sackings of the cities, you lose the game. Uh, it, it's that sort of thing where there's multiple ways to lose, like a pandemic, but only a, a, a couple ways to win. So is that the same way pretty much with Black Orchestra? Is there only like a couple ways to win, but lots of ways to lose? There's uh, one way to win, kill Hitler. Yep. Then if everybody's arrested or the, um, oh my goodness, we pull the documents discovered card or you can't or you can't pull an event card just like you would in pandemic where if you run out of the city's deck mm-hmm. and you can't draw another one you lose. Yeah, so there's four ways to lose here. Another thing too is is the draw the cards that you have to draw, you know, if you get through that deck like in pandemic you lose. If Roma is ever sacked it's overran, mm-hmm. then you automatically um, lose there too. Dang, both of these games sound really cool. I loved Fall of Empire. After we were done, Vanessa, who was uh, really kind of tired of Pandemic, said, I will play this again in a heartbeat because it was there was enough different to it that was, that was really neat. But what's cool is Black Orchestra sounds, as a co-op game though, with kind of the same concepts working together towards one goal, it does sound totally different. But before I forget, I forgot to tell you about the die. So one of the actions you can take on your turn is you can fight. So when you take a march action, you can just take your pawn and move from city to city without spending a card. When you move, you can take three legions with you. If you're in a city that has some barbarians there, you can battle. You roll one battle die for each legion in your city up to a max of three. And when you resolve, the faces on the die will be either remove a legion, remove a barbarian, remove one of each, 
remove tar- two barbarians and one legion, or resolve your roll special effect. And that's when you get to do one of the extra special abilities on your card when you one, roll that one side of a d6. All right, I like that. And which is very similar to Black Orchestra. One of the actions you can do is you can roll your conspirator dice. If you get the, uh, when you roll, you're spending all your actions to roll the dice. But on those dice, if you get a certain number, you can take additional actions. That's pretty darn cool. And then if you have a bullseye, you can go to the descent track. When if you get three descents, then that will cause military, uh, militaries. Hitler's military strength to drop. I like that. I like hearing that as an option in Pandemic Fall of Rome. That's pretty cool. So how many actions do you get in your turn? So what's, what's a typical turn like? Do you get one action, two actions, or what? You can do, th- it's three actions, okay? okay. And, and other than the conspirator dice or rolling the dice, you can do the same action three times, like move three times. Or, oh, okay. Or draw three conspirator cards or whatever. Okay. And in here, in typical pandemic faction, you get four actions. And a lot of them are the same sort of things. It's, it's the march, like I talked about. Discard a uh, city, and you can move to that city as, if, as long as it's on a port. You can basically call it sell. Uh, you can recruit if you're at a fort. You can pull in three legions off of uh, the supply. Another cool thing is the legions are limited. So you can't just go everywhere and drop legions all over the board because eventually you'll run out. So you have to just strategically decide what path do you want to make sure to block and spend the legion, uh, recruit legion actions there to put them out in case you you know run out of legions. Now, once once they're killed, they go back to the supply and you can reuse them. Now, one of the probably the neatest aspects about this game is if you're going to prison, you don't get to do the actions, okay, until you, uh, until you release. Uh, that sounds like I don't get to do something my turn. I'm not a fan of that. Actually, it's probably one of the coolest aspects of this game. You are being interrogated by the Gestapo and you draw from the interrogation. That still doesn't day. sound cool to me either. No, it's not. But it, actually, it's what's cool about it is when you draw that interrogation card, you are given options on this card. You read the card silently. Don't even mm-hmm. move your mouth. Just read it silently. And you have a choice on this card. And these choices aren't good choices. For instance, on one of the cards, it says you're being interrogated. Da, 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 da. You choose either A Raise the suspicion level of two of your other conspirators. So you're basically giving them up. He's a canary. He's singing. B, have another conspirator be be arrested and you're released. C, roll the dice and based on the outcome, here's what you get to do. And you don't get to discuss this with anyone. You have to make a decision based on that. We were loving this mechanic. Mm. Even though it's bad and it's nasty, it was like, No one else can choose this for me. I've taken control. I'm making a decision in this game, working as a group, but it's my decision only. And I can't tell y'all. And then when I go and say, uh, Mark, you raise yours, Marty, you raise yours. You're like, dude, what is wrong with you? There had to be a better option. You don't know that. I see. And Mark was digging this. So let me ask you, how many people does it play and how long does it take? It plays five players. Uh, our learning game took us about two hours. I can see that this would take you, once you get the mechanics down, no more than 90 minutes. Now, final thoughts on Black Orchestra. 
I can understand the love that the secret cabal gives it. Jamie loves this game and I can understand why. Matter of fact, he's the reason why I picked this game up. He was telling me all about it and I walked over there and, and got it. The theme of the history, all of that, that's built in there. I'm loving this game. And the other aspect that I love about this, and it's the little things, Marty, is on the board that I were playing with, colors are vibrant, but every action is spelled out on the board without taking up too much room. You don't have to be flipping through a rule book. You could almost put the board down and play from it. That detail was very, very well done. And for me, Donna loves Pandemic. I don't see this game taking the place for it, but I would pull out Black Orchestra before I pulled out Pandemic until I beat it. But I don't ever see me beating it in the future right now because it's, it's tough. It's a hard game. Well, so hold on. So you, you just kind of turned a, a, a smile into a frown, potentially. You, what do you think the ratio of winning might be? Is it that brutal, though? It's like you just hardly ever win. Can you adjust the difficulty? You cannot adjust the difficulty. I think the turnoff for some people may be the dice near the end. How far do you want to carry your plot to get? Because you've got to get Hitler's military down his support down in order to win. So you've really got to wait till the fifth and sixth eras or events in order to do that. Because think about what happened in history. The invasion started happening and his support started to decline. Sure. And the game itself ratchets that down for you. So then you're ready to do the plot. But now it's a race against time. Mm, okay. You can try it sooner, but his military support will be out the roof. And it'll be tough to do. And on the Fall of Rome side, it, this plays anywhere from one to five players. There is a solo option, this uh, variant that's included in the rules that people have enjoyed. Solo option here. Solo option here. Oh, there is? Okay, cool. This plays up to 45 to 60 minutes. There is a variability of uh, difficulty. Uh, just like in Pandemic, the number of Epidemic cards that you include in the uh, uh, deck, uh, you can also scale that here from five Revolt cards up from there. Vanessa and I did play on easy and we just barely, barely won, but it wasn't so easy that we felt like it was too easy. We were literally stressed out in the last turn that we might lose. So on normal, it would be a, a lot tougher, but Tony, as you, as a fan of pandemic and as Donna likes pandemic, I really, really, really want you to try this because it's different enough to me, even from the other pandemic and the expansions that you have. Uh, that I think you may like it. The board is gorgeous. The art reminds me of the History of the World, a game that we loved earlier this year. Uh, it has that kind of look and feel to it with all the card art and anything. So I definitely want to get this to you to you try. And please, I really want to try Black Orchestra the next time you pull it out with the guys. Well, I think you need to take it home and let Vanessa try this out. It's a definitely different take. And now you can adjust the hard level. We played on easy and... Oh, I thought you said you couldn't. I'm sorry. I, I misunderstood. Yes, you can adjust the, okay. the, the how hard it is. We we started on easy too. Okay. I, I would be interested. I can't wait to play it with you because that dice mechanic to solve to see if you win, I want to see how that hits you. So from my side, this is Pandemic Fall of Rome from Z-Man Games by game designers Matt Leacock and Paolo Mori. It is a stay on my shelf. It is a, I don't need to play Pandemic anymore. I'd much rather play Fall of Rome. All right. On my side, Black Orchestra, designed by Philip DeBerry, Game Salute, Starling Games. It's a, one of those games that will be on my shelf. I look forward to playing this again and again. Two winners from us. Go check them out. One's older than the other, so you should be able to find Black Orchestra. And Fall of Rome comes out when? Soon? It's out now, isn't it? No, it's out because you, you could order it. I saw it at miniaturemarket.com. <laughs> That's right, miniaturemarket.com. 
Get your copy today. So there's our inaugural episode of 2019. We've got a lot of big things going on this year with the first big event. Like we mentioned earlier, we got our Squirrelio Awards coming up. And Tony, we are going to be guests at Tantrum Con down in Greenville, South Carolina, coming up in the in February. That's right. We get to travel south, and hopefully everything will work well. There won't be any ice storms or snowstorms to really screw up our plans and mess up other events that happen later. And, oh, we can only hope that all goes well. Plus, that's Valentine's Day weekend. I'm sure Honey's going to love this one. It's going to hit home good. Oh, no, I didn't realize that. So I hope to be able to go to TantrumCon in February. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Donna, you want to go down to Greenville, South Carolina? Here's the place for lovers. Wow. And a a gaming convention. Kevin Delp, I sent him an email about that. I said, you do realize that? He says, yep, we know it. I'm like, oh, so they did did it on purpose. Just like CMON Expo does it on Mother's Day weekend. Tantrum House does some amazing videos when it, uh, for their yes. Kickstarter stuff. And I love their uh, Will Meadows, Sarah Meadows, uh, the whole crew over there. They do a great job. And uh, Melissa does balloon animals. They're so cute. I'm sure the whole place will be one big balloon animal. They do a fantastic job. So if you're interested in checking out Tantrum Con, make sure to go to their uh, website. We'll have a link in the show notes. So as Tony writes that down on his side, make sure to put a link in the show notes. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Wait. And by the way, as far as show notes, make sure if you have a uh, application that shows timestamps uh, for each episode, we do have uh, every segment of our show is timestamped and a link may be associated with a timestamp. It may point back to a subject that we're talking about. Maybe it's a link directly to Miniature Market if you want to go uh, buy the game that we're talking about. So we try to make the the timestamps as interactive as possible because hey, hey, hey who wants to see sit through an hour and a half of this stuff just skip to what you want to hear exactly fast forward fast forward unless i want you to then i may hide it inside some other segments that's just mean i know I, you never do know I'd say it's called an easter egg mm. for 2019 exciting year getting ready to happen here at rolling dice and taking names really looking forward to it more importantly though i hope to keep rolling dice and taking names thanks for listening we are super excited about rdtn and 2019 if you want to you can follow us on twitter at dyson names instagram dyson names like our facebook page and subscribe to our youtube page where all of our episodes are posted with timestamps for easy navigation happy new year y'all wait that sounded like frosty the snowman Happy birthday. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Name in... Wow. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode in 2019 of Rolling Dice and Taking Names... Of Rolling Dice and Taking... Three, two... We have our outtakes. Hello, and welcome to the... Wow. (laughs) We've been bit, we've been big fans of a lot of games that's come out from AEG over this year. So, wow. Yeah, and you talk about the hands. Every hand is a is the icon they use for different uh, abilities that you'll have. Uh, wow. The hand uh, is an icon that shows how you activate. Wow. Portalgames.pl/en for all your incredible gaming needs. Wait, that's the miniature market start. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Ha 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 ha!
portalgames.pl slash en for all those great games from Ignacy. The man is on fire in 2018. So 2019, maybe he'll get a new game out for us. Oh, we know he is. It's, it's probably going to be announced at uh, his portal con. That's right. That's upcoming soon. And we know we got Stronghold Undead coming or whatever he's going to change it to because I've already got the trophy made for that one for the Squirrelies. So he'll mess up my printing on that. That's okay. You mean for the expansion for 2019? That's right. 2019, 2020. Whenever he gets it out, that's up to him. The man's on fire because all that matters is Detective has an expansion coming for 2019. And we finally got to play Detective the other night. So, mm-hmm. looking forward to getting some more cases solved here, Marty. But that's portalgames.pl slash EM. Be sure to check them out and definitely pay attention to their vlog and their big announcements coming at PortalCon. Mm-hmm.